we focus on that. I mean, there's something intrinsic to Seaside that people really respond to. For instance, when I got this job, um, my neighborhood in Portland, uh, when I told them, I was like, oh, I was leaving. I mean, it was amazing how many people came out of the woodwork and were like, wow, I've been going to Seaside every year for 40 years or something like that. I mean, all these people, we had never talked about it before, but it was kind of a, just a truth among them. Welcome to Seaside 101, where your host Aiden and Mary. This podcast is a collaboration between the City of Seaside and Seaside High School. In this series, we're interviewing Seaside City officials to learn more about what goes on behind the scenes. The goal being to educate the public and inspire people to get involved in their communities. In today's episode, we're interviewing Josh Heineman, who is our tourism director. So to start off our episode, tell us about the responsibilities of your department. So my department is the uh, Visitors Bureau. You might have seen the Welcome Center down there at Broadway and 101. Um, our overall responsibilities are marketing uh, and advertising seaside to visitors in the off-season primarily, and um, also running the Welcome Center so that people who are traveling down the Oregon coast can get information about what there is to do in this region and hopefully make sure that they spend some time in Seaside. And your specific role in the department, what do you do? Oversee everything pretty much. So over all the all the marketing, all the advertising, all the budgets, um, and then uh, also the Welcome Center is kind of an auxiliary to that. We have two full-time staff and a part-time staff that are in the Welcome Center and just making sure that that's, you know, that those guys have what they need and, um, you know, that we have coverage when we need it and all that kind of stuff. So when marketing Seaside, what key attributes do you focus on that makes Seaside special? Uh, I like to talk about it being, uh, you know, uh, nestled up against a mountain between two rivers on the sandiest beach, you know, on the Oregon coast. Um, and that's really, um, you know, naturally that's kind of how it's situated. But then you also have this kind of unique promenade that no other Pacific Northwest town has. I mean, there there are things kind of like it, like Oregon City, but nothing on the beach where you have that prom, 100-year-old prom now. Um, and then this just kind of vibrant downtown with way more restaurants and, and arcades and breweries than any town this size should have, you know, uh, um, the ability to support, you know. I mean, it really is kind of a remarkable place with a remarkable energy. One of Seaside's most unique draws for tourists is our promenade. It's right on the beach and it's lined with businesses and hotels. Some popular spots include the aquarium, Moe's, and the turnaround. Last year in 2021, we celebrated the promenade's 100th birthday. It is a staple of our city. I'm curious about the steps you took to end up in your position. What was your education background like? My education background, I got a... Uh, arts and letters degree from Portland State, uh, which is, was awesome at the time, like, because I got to, you know, study art and read and, and I got a professional writing minor. Um, when I left college, arts and letters didn't mean anything to lots of other people because it's basically just a liberal arts degree and lots of other colleges don't have arts and letters. I was a journalist before I went to college and then for a bit after I was a music journalist for a bit after. Um, and then I got into communications. So I went from journalism to for several, for quite a while actually. And then into communications. Um, 
uh, for law school in San Francisco for seven years. And then um, I worked for in a creative tech industry in Portland for four or five years doing brand marketing. And then uh, that's how I ended up out here. And how long have you been doing tourism related things? So for the, it's kind of funny. I saw that on the list and it's like for this career path, I've been a part of this career path since I started this job three years ago. I, I you know, it's uh, not something that I was too aware of, you know, uh, you know, um, mostly just was open to using the skills that I'd picked up or the things that I'm interested in and the job seemed really up that alley. And so I really pursued the job. Um, and, and, you know, so fortunate because now that I'm in it, now it's three years and finally feeling comfortable, you know, kind of in my role. But, um, in the beginning, I was like pinching myself all the time. I mean, it was just sort of a really fun job and it got, you know, I've, I've had some fun jobs before. Um, I like when I worked for, when I was going to college, I worked for Willamette Week and I would just interview like Devendra Banhart or Joanna Newsom and go to shows all the time. And it was super fun, but I never had any money ever. Like we, I couldn't even afford coffee, you know, like they pay you by the, by the, by the word and they would print the weekly and print these little things like this. So you never had any money, you know, now I get to do super fun stuff all the time and, and, uh, you know, city, uh, it's a city job. So it's really stable and I get to be on the coast and, um, yeah, I was really lucky, but it wasn't something that I pursued specifically. What inspired you to pursue the career path? Oh, yeah, well, uh, how did I how did I apply for that job? Yeah, um, I was living in Portland. I'd been there for se- several years. I had, so I I I had I grew up in Minnesota. I came out to Portland to go to college, and then um, ended up in San Francisco for seven years. And then we came back to Portland when when we started having kids because. A 400 square foot apartment in San Francisco, and it was just hauling groceries and a baby up the hill. We're not working. Um, and so we came back to Portland, and um, I had been here for several years, had a really fun job, but you know, I just missed the ocean, missed the coast, yeah. and stuff like that. And so it was, it was one of those days. Um, well, basically, I went out and got a beach house one day with my family, and we were having a really fun time out on the beach. And it was one of those days where it was like 80 degrees on the beach randomly, like happens once or twice a year, you know. And so I called my boss and I said, hey, I'm not coming back. We're going to extend our stay out here. It's really, really nice. And we had a really extended stay. And when I got back to Portland, one of the first things I did when I got back to my job is I logged into LinkedIn to adjust some of our ad spend on. uh, We were really active on LinkedIn uh, stuff. And when I logged in, there was a suggested job that said director of tourism marketing. <laughs> and I, you know, you, when you go into LinkedIn, you're always suggested jobs. You never pay attention to them. You're just like, whatever, sure. But for some reason, just because of that experience on the beach, I was very much like, whoa, yes, that's what I want to do. And of course, it was a pipe dream. I mean, I looked at it and I'm like, oh, no, I don't have experience with a budget like that. I don't have this. I don't have that. But it just kind of stuck in my mind. I just didn't. Uh, for some reason, it was just there. And so I ended up looking up who was doing the job now, which is John Rail. He's now the assistant city manager. Um, but I looked him up and looked at his background. And his background was actually not that different than mine. He had a newspaper background. He did work at a convention center and stuff like that. So I just reached out to him and I said, hey, here's my background and here's why I'm interested in this job. 
I noticed we're not that dissimilar. Do you think there's any harm in me applying or do you think there'd be any good in me applying really? And he was very gracious and wrote back and said, yeah, I think you should go for it. And so um, I applied and um, got an interview and uh, had to do the interview. And um, (laughs) then we had a little thing at the visitors bureau, like a meet and greet with the public, which was and like five other candidates or something. It was super awkward and weird. Um, and I left thinking, oh, there's no way I got that job because everyone else there had tourism experience and all this kind of stuff. But then the next day, uh, I got a call and said, hey, do you want to come out here? And so, um, yeah. And so th- and what inspired me was really just the love of the ocean, wanting to get back to the ocean, then also seeing that John had a similar background and it was possible for someone like me to work in a position like this. What's your favorite part of your job? Favorite part, I think, is just is is uh, collaborating with other people on on fun projects to you know highlight seaside and the North Coast. Um, and that's a huge part of my job, actually, is is working with you know. Before I came up here, I was talking to the Seattle Times. We're going to do some articles this fall and spring, and we're um, you know they want to do something really solid so that when we come back next year that we, you know, hire them again. And they, and so these, there's lots of creative people out there just looking for ways to, um, kind of have some inspiration in their everyday life. And if you give them that leeway, you can, you know, you can make some really cool stuff. Um, and it's really fun to, to watch people kind of go deep on stuff. Um, if they're inspired, you just, um, and you can join in on that when you're in a, you know, when you're the one paying the bills, basically. I mean, they, they give you leeway to get on in on it. So it's, it's kind of a mix of making sure that you're kind of making sure you're staying true to the, the what they're producing is staying true to the brand, but also that you're not getting in their way. So you're not stymied, like trying to dictate what things are going to look like. Cause then it would get really bo- boring really quick. But it does happen often, like people will promise something and be like, hey, well, we can do this and this and this. And then when we f- see the first drafts of it, it's like pictures of a beach in like, so- in like South Carolina or something. And you're just like anyone who's been to the Oregon coast, and especially Seaside, is going to know that's not Seaside, you know. And so you got to, you know, do that. And sometimes you have to police like brand colors and fonts and stuff like that. But usually it's just like saying, hey, here's our budget. Here's kind of who I want to reach and then they are super excited about the different tactics they have and they get to try it out and then then you look back and you and you see what works and what doesn't work and if it doesn't work that's okay it's an experiment you you try something else the next time but if it does work and you know then you kind of double down on that and try to use that to kind of get more eyes on on what Seaside has to offer in the future uh next question what's something about your job that might surprise the general public the biggest surprise from for for most people would probably be that we don't advertise in the summer. You know, you you often see like a lot of you get a lot of complaints in the summer about how busy it is, especially on the North Coast. You know, that that is actually a North Coast problem, not so much a South Coast problem. But it gets very busy because of day trippers and events and things like that. And we often get kind of misconstrued stress pointed at us saying you know we should take this money and do something else with it but what they don't understand is we don't advertise in the summer and i i don't i I don't we haven't in the last three years i don't know 
what happened before that, but I highly doubt it happened. I bet it's been going on for quite a long time. Our mission our, of our department in the city is to grow the off-season visitation. If you look at the bed tax growth over the years, that is where the growth is occurring. It's uh, We just had a banner quarter for um, spring. And so, um, yeah, a lot of people are surprised by that. You know, we're often told you should stop advertising and saying, well, we don't and we haven't for a long time. And then another thing that's actually, I think, interesting is that Seaside um, markets in a collective with Astoria, Astoria and Cannon Beach. We market the region together. We each donate a little bit of our budget and work on a project uh, marketing the whole region as a kind of extended stay thing. You often, you know, get your Cannon Beach people and your Astoria people and your Seaside people. And for whatever reason, they think that those are separate entities. Well, I live in Astoria and I come to Seaside every day and I'm often in Cannon Beach during the day for meetings or hell, sometimes just to get lunch, you know. It's all those pieces together that make it such like a rad place to be. And so I don't see why we kind of put up silos on those things. We really don't um, too much anymore, but in some people's minds, it is that way, but we actually market together. We actually have a, a website, Oregon's North Coast, that we built last, about two years ago with those three cities. For our On the Street segment, we've sent out our fellow FPLA members into the city to gather questions from the public. Here's one directed to Josh Heineman. Due to COVID, do you foresee Restricting the number of tourists uh, in the town of Seaside next summer? Well, I think that the easy short answer is no, I do not foresee restricting tourism. But I think the longer and more complicated and interesting answer is that um, I think if COVID has taught us anything, it's that it's very difficult to predict things at all. And um, where you might see relationships between things that seem apparent that really don't exist. So for instance, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, the city closed the beaches and the hotels and the parks and all these things, very extreme measures. And it took that to restrict tourism to seaside. Ever since the hotels have been open through the pandemic, the parks have been open, we've had, in fact, record visitation. Um, tons of people here. Um, staying and, and feeling comfortable out on the coast. Now, if you map that uh, visitation line with our COVID cases in this county and, and in Seaside, they don't really match up. And um, so apparent statements like restricting visitation will bring down COVID in the, in the community or, um, you know, closing restaurants will bring down COVID in the, in the community, they, they, they haven't really borne out to be true during this pandemic. Um, COVID cases seem to be tied to larger nationwide waves that begin on the coasts and kind of move to the rural areas. And that's, that's what's been affected us. In fact, we haven't had, we didn't really have very many COVID cases until the Delta wave here locally. So I don't foresee us having to um, close anything down, but um, you know, the complications of reality are enough that I, I, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, what are some of the challenges you encounter in your position? Well, there are a lot of challenges. I mean, logistical, um, financial challenges, um, 
you know, like when coronavirus first hit, we we did some emergency uh, grants to businesses and, and things like that. So there's, all, I mean, there's always challenges. I think that one kind of thinking about the unique challenges when you're in a city job, you're officially a public servant, I guess. And so you have to think about things from a kind of an equity standpoint. And so when we are working on a feature, for instance, about um, food, you wouldn't say, you know, go down to Dodo Bakery and then just have a whole thing about Dodo and how cool Dodo is. You can't, you can't zero in on one thing. It has to be really about options and about equity and like, well, Dodo's great, but then you could also go to Maggie's on the prom and then stop here and you kind of have to give options. And that, and that goes from the top all the way down. I mean, our visitor guide, you can buy, you can buy these kind of expanded listings, but we represent everybody, whether or not they want to participate in what we're doing or not. We're, we're not like a chamber of commerce or something. We share a biz building with the chamber of commerce. We work closely together, but we're not like a membership organization. We are going to include everything. So we're going to include every restaurant, every shop. Um, but then we work on content to try to bring out the nuances of those different things to showcase kind of what's there. But that equity lens is not something that I would have, that's not a challenge I really would have anticipated. And it goes all the way down to when people come in the welcome center and they ask the person sitting there at the front desk, hey, where do you go for, what's your favorite place to get clam chowder? And they'll just, without losing a beat, they'll say, well, my favorite three places are this one, this one, and this one down Broadway, you know, and whatever you're feeling, go down and check it out, check out the menu. So that's kind of an interesting challenge. As the leader of your department, what's your vision going forward? Oh, I wish it was that easy. I wish I had a vision statement. I probably should have a vision statement. I think it's, it's the way I think about it is not, you can never predict where things are going to go. I mean, just look at coronavirus and we're all sitting in this room with a masks on, you know, in padded room. It's very surreal. <laughs> um, and the lights keep going off, you know. Um, but my vision, I think, is I think the best thing to do is just to stay open to, you know, making sure that we're always trying new things and we're always open to the future. Um, I would hate to get routine about everything. You know, including running the Welcome Center. Um, I would hate to, I mean, we just recently, we are trying some new stuff with our, with our uh, pay-per-click, like our uh, search engine marketing campaigns. We had a really great vendor that we've been working with forever, long before I started to do our search engine marketing. And we recently, I uh, tried it out with our, we're trying it out right now with our web development team to try to bring it in house. So we have control of all the numbers and le levers and cause before they kind of owned all that. And, uh, it's a, it's a risk because it was going really well. And, and, um, you know, that vendor was very much kind of, I think annoyed that we switched it, but you have to be open to try new things and, and try to improve and, and, um, if you're if you're not if it gets kind of rote then you probably should move shouldn't be in the job or you should probably be moving on at that point 
Is there anything you've read or listened to recently that's inspired you in your day to day? Yeah, I've been reading a lot. Uh, and yes, I am always inspired. Um, right now I'm reading a book called The Boundless Sea. It's like this thick, like I'm telling you, it's like the thickest book ever. It's about human history from the perspective of oceans and how the oceans have facilitated everything from like the Babylonians all the way up to, you know, the Portuguese, you know, conquering the new world and all this kind of stuff. It's really interesting. And it's, I mean, it's just generally inspiring to, to see how oceans have played such a big part in everything. And, um, I look out at the ocean and at the riverfront in Astoria every day, and it just makes me feel connected to that. I've also been reading a lot of Buddhism stuff right now because I think because of the pandemic, you know, just the impermanence principles of Buddhism are really helpful right now to know that, well, even though things are kind of awful right now, they won't always be awful, that things always change. Um, and, um, that's really the only constant is that things are always changing. And as long as you can zero in on that and kind of ride that, you, you can be okay. So I've been really yeah, interested in that kind of stuff. Aside from literature that inspires you, who are some major influences in your life? For work stuff, it's, it's, it's definitely John, who had my job before me and is now assistant city manager. Um, and and also Russ, who I think you guys are going to also talk to, who's the general manager of the convention center. And, uh, and that's no joke. I mean, that's really because, like I said, I came in from a totally different career path. And 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 those guys are always really trying hard to do the best job that they can in this role. And they've been doing that for, you know, nine years up to, you know, I don't know, 12 or 15. Russ has been here. I'm not exactly sure, but they're always kind of invested in that. And so for me, that's really been such a godsend to be able to have somebody to look up to in that way. And then as far as personal life, it's definitely the family. You know, you, I got three little kids and an amazing wife. and But they have their own interests that aren't necessarily parallel to mine. And so that's the first thing you learn, you know, when you get, when I was, when I was left to my own devices, I just off wandering, doing whatever, not necessarily building up to anything. First get, when you first, when you get married, suddenly like you have to think about someone else before you, you know, like, Oh, what do you want to do? Or what do you, where do you see, what do you want? What do you want out of life? And then you have kids and then suddenly you got to think about them before. And then you have this whole hierarchy. And so I've, my days are uh, very full right now. Um, and it's actually really good to not kind of be in the pilot seat all the time. Sometimes it's best to, uh, try to make someone else's life work, you know? Um, so, yeah. And we're all loving it out here on the coast. It's the, you know, so, I mean, what do you guys think is a good place to grow up, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it's such a special spot. Nowhere really comes close. Yeah, I, I think so. I know you mentioned, like, looking into Buddhist values and stuff like that. Um, do you have anything interesting in your life going on, like apart from work? Just like something you want to share? That's a good question. Um, 
my um it's it, i mean i don't know i don't know if it's interesting but my my middle child i have three kids my middle child is a type 1 diabetic he was diagnosed when he was two and so he's six now and uh that's always interesting for instance the whole time we're talking here i'm watching my phone because i can see his blood sugars on this and he was having a low blood sugar before we came in here and uh so um that's always something that we're always dealing with and trying to figure out you know and it's interesting to see the way the technology um changes thing he now has a pump which means I can sleep more at night, which is kind of interesting, kind of nice. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's that's a unique challenge, and we're, we're trying to figure out now, too. Lots of type 1 diabetics get um, celiac disease as well. It's like kind of the same processes cause it, and he's now testing for celiac, too, so we have to bring him in here in the next few weeks to get him tested to see if he really does have that, and that could be another big change in our family. So, like I said, our my family is a huge influence on my time. And so this is one thing that's going on in my life that's unique. Um, in general, though, um, I'm learning to surf. <laughs> that's going fairly well. I was always a skateboarder when I was a kid up until, well, I was in my early 20s. I, when I first moved to San Francisco, I, I tried bombing Bush Street on my skateboard and almost died. <laughs> that was probably one of the last times I went skateboarding. But... Uh, when I moved out here, I took a surfing lesson with Lexi. I've always, I mean, I've always wanted to surf. I grew up in Minnesota, so we would go out to Hawaii every winter because we were freezing our butts off. And I would always go bodyboarding there or body surfing or something. And so now that I'm here and I go to see the ocean every day at lunch or something, I was like, oh, I'll learn to surf, you know. And the waves, and the, the, I watch those guys that go out there every day. Do you either of you surf? I don't. A little bit, a little but bit. I wouldn't say I surf, so... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I practically don't say I do either, but I watch the guys that go out there read. Well, actually, the guys and girls that go out there all year long, like even in like December when it's like roiling, <laughs> boiling cauldron of rip currents and stuff, and it's just amazing. But I wait for the s small wave days when no one else goes out, and I go out there. <laughs> but, yeah, it's really fun, and um, I do love it. I wish I had time to do more of it, but. Um, it's pretty damn lucky to be able to go surfing on my lunch breaks and stuff. Mm -hmm. so. Last thing, if you had any advice for someone pursuing a career similar to yours, what would it be? Tourism marketing, um, it, I would, I think everything that I was saying about uh, my vision for the department is just staying open. That's what I would say is just stay invested and interested in it. Um, it's a really fun industry. I mean, Apart from the city department, which we have here in Seaside, there are many different shades of this kind of work. You have nonprofit tourism places. You have Chamber of Commerce that will um, uh, contract with the city to do, or a region, to do tourism, which is how lots of places do it. Astoria and Cannon Beach, for instance, or through the chamber. So um, there are a lot of different shades of of what i do um and it's super fun and everyone that works in it is super fun and like um 
back before COVID, we were going, you know, you have conferences quite a bit where you all just go and you get to learn about what everyone else is doing. You get to talk about what you're doing and what's working, what's not. And everybody has a really good time. And they have these things called fam tours, which I had never heard of, but apparently it's a familiarization tour. And so when you go to, you're literally, you are literally quote unquote working, but they just take you to a winery and show you all the different new local foods they're doing there. And it's like an industry standard and you're sitting around going, am I, is this real life? Like, how does this work? Like, that's really cool. And so, um, I think there are a lot of different backgrounds you could get into tourism with, but the one thing you, you really should have is that you should just, you should like telling stories because you have to tell a lot of stories about place and about the people in that place. Um, and you, and I, and I think, um, you should have some measure of, uh, the, the equity lens that I was talking about, that should kind of come natural to you because otherwise you're going to be frustrated all the time. Um, and, you know, you you really can't play favorites. You got to be looking to ride, raise all boats in all ways. Um, and so, yeah, that'd be my advice. Well, that finishes off the episode. Thank you again to Josh Heineman for coming in and taking the time to talk to us. If you want to learn more about how things are run or want to get involved in your community, feel free to check out www.cityofseaside.us to stay updated with the latest of what's happening in Seaside, Oregon. Production and editing were done by Aiden Usley and Mary Roberto. Our music was produced by Tyler Froberg. This project was coordinated with the help of John Rail and Mike Verholst. Once again, we're your hosts Aiden and Mary signing off until the next episode of Seaside 101.